Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome back. Welcome to the show. It's Wednesday afternoon. We're here. It's Action Movie Anatomy, and we are talking an American classic film. I believe this film is number 41 on the IMDb Top 250 of all time. Holy crap! It is Raiders of the Lost Ark, a classic adventure film. We'll see you guys in just one second. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Action Movie Anatomy. Boom! This is like if he had Beats headphones on when he was in the jungle in the beginning. This is what he'd be this listening what he'd to. Of course it yeah. is. You know what? I only listen to this song for about 20 seconds once a week. Yep. And it makes me very happy every time. Me too. It's a great song. It's a great, great, great song. It really is. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. It's Action Movie Anatomy. We're here on the Popcorn Talk Network, the online broadcast network dedicated to talking movies, all things movie-related and pop culture by the bucketful. I'm your host, Ben Bateman. You got Andrew Guy over here on the other side of the table. Hey, what's up, everybody? Happy to be here. Happy to talk one of the most classic American films of all time. I'm going to this camera. Boom! <laughs> what's going to happen? Paul Denuso, another general, or a... Uh, uh, an existing general in the Action Army, guys, patreon.com slash teamaction. He was the deciding factor on this film. We we were deciding between a couple movies this week. Yep. And it came down, I mean, you know, obviously Spielberg, Ready Player One's been doing really well. Um, Paul was like, well, you know, honestly, if you guys wanted to cover one of the original three indie movies, you should, and that would help with this general generality, generalism. His rank. His rank. I think that's a better word. His rank in the Army. <laughs> so here we are. He pulled fucking rank. He What's did. up, Paul? <laughs> Uh, so yes, uh, this film is. <laughs> I thought he was. I was waiting for him to say something back. <laughs> this film's revered. Um, so so yeah, we're here. We're talking. We're talking Raiders of the Lost Ark. Some of you guys are probably asking yourselves, you know, why why this movie? Why now? Yeah. Well, I mean, aside from the fact that, as you mentioned, South by Southwest, there was a, there was a really exciting test screening for Ready Player One. Though uh, there's a funny piece of trivia on that, which is that the sound went out in the theater. Oh really? So everybody was commenting on how beautiful visually it was, but it's like. It's Spielberg taking a bunch of pop culture images. Of course it's going to be beautiful. Like, like things he created. <laughs> you know? so, so, like, I mean, I, I'm excited for the movie. I, I think I have a screening for it next week, and we'll probably go, because I imagine we'll probably cover it on the show. Yeah, I mean, if it's, um, if it's awesome, we, we definitely will. Yeah, but um, the bottom line is that, that it's funny to me that that movie would do so well because of uh, a non-sound screening. Yeah, so... Or at least for a portion of you, the film. Are you... You're saying that in the theater the sound went out, right? But people liked that even more just because it was like it was like that moment in TLJ when the it all went black and white and silent, and the ship went through the other one where they just like appreciate like there's a moment in Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> no, uh, I it's I, I don't I don't exactly know why like or for how long. I just saw like Robert Rodriguez and a few other people tweeting about it who were mm-hmm. in the audience. Um, Gray Drake from Tomatoes, you know, people were just like they were like this is a visual you know spectacle. So anyway. Um, that we probably will cover Ready Player One, but yeah. we were thinking about Spielberg movies, and we decided that this was probably, if we were going to do one, the first step in that direction. Because we had talked about Last Crusade before, uh, you know, there's there's a cool project Spielberg involved that Andrew and I are kind of working on, so we've been thinking a lot yeah. about Spielberg movies, and... This just this felt like a, the natural choice. So when Paul listed it as one of his options, it just it was a slam dunk. Yeah, I mean, honestly, other than this film, Spielberg wise, that we haven't covered already, <laughs> it would be Catch Me If You Can. Gosh, uh, God, I wish. <laughs> no, it just seems like this is the one. This is like the one to go to. It seems the most appropriate for this show. And as many of the fans have said, it seems crazy we haven't done it yet. How long had it been since you would watch this movie? Honestly, I think it'd been over a decade. I think I watched this film, one of the movies that Charlie gave me, like on DVD in high school. Yeah. So probably that means I was about 15 or 16. Wow. Um, I've seen this movie on TV a lot. Yep. Like, there's scenes in this movie that I just, I like, can, you know, there's certain movies that you just, you, you're used to watching with the closed captions, because we worked at a bar for so long. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. Like, you just see these movies on cable. And this is one of those movies that's on a lot. But as far as sitting down to pay attention to the movie and actually listen to the dialogue, the pacing, knowing the scenes, I hadn't seen it probably since then. Yeah, same. Um, and so, yeah, it's, I mean, 15 years later, there's a lot to learn from this movie. So, you know, guys, there's a few things we want to shout out really quickly before we get fully into the show. Uh, the first one is that if you want to follow along with any of the conversation here, you can find me personally at Ben Bateman Media and the podcast on Twitter at AMA Podcast. Uh, you guys can find me at Andrew Guy on Instagram and Twitter, and you can find our Facebook fan page, the Action Movie Anatomy fan page on Facebook, and there's also the Action Army for our Schmodown characters. It's the Action Army fan page. So look for both of those on Facebook and as well. You mentioned patreon.com slash team action. Andrew and I are doing extra content every single week. Uh, it's on a private YouTube channel. We have a whole bit we're doing where it's like 
uh, just like stuff we wouldn't get to do on the show. So mini AMAs for other movies that aren't even on genre, Schmodown character predictions, trailer reactions. Yeah, I got a, I got a match I'm playing against Dale the Dude Gibbs this Friday in Schmodown. Yeah. So we got to kind of talk about that a little bit, get get hyped for that match. Um, but yeah, there's go check it out, Team Action, uh, uh, patreon.com slash Team Action. You'll get the whole description there. And uh, for a buck a month, you guys get extra content. Um, yeah, so that's what we're doing there. And then last but not <clears throat> least... Uh, is that I wanted to remind everybody to check out Nerds and Suits. I'm reviewing every single movie that comes out every single week. And my favorite movie of the year so far, Love, Simon. I yeah. saw it last weekend. I'm going to post my review right after the show. I'm like so bummed I didn't go with you to that. I was so so tired. Uh, damn it. Me I too. guess I just have to wait. I mean, it's just really good. Uh, we got Marissa Serafini up in the booth, also producer and uh, engineer here on the show. What's up, Marissa? What's up, guys? Hello. How, Hello. You How do you feel about this movie, Marissa? I... I enjoy this movie. It's not my favorite out of the Indiana Jones series. Mm-hmm. but You it like Crusade, is, right? Nope. Yeah. nope. Well, I do like Crusade. Doom is my favorite. Really? Yep. Temple of oh. Doom is my favorite. It's my girl. Um, but <laughs> this one, it's a fun one when you go back to it. It's very simple. If you think about it, the concept is very simple. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's some fun stuff to talk about there. Have you heard anything about Love, Simon yet? No, but I'm hearing good things other than that. You got to go watch it. It's so good. Um, anyway, Nerds and Suits, Anchor.fm. You guys can get all my reviews and news there. So let's talk about this movie yes. and the movies we cover on Action Movie Anatomy, which are action movies that adhere to four basic rules. Rule number one, the hero always plays by their own rules. I think it's safe to say. It's Indiana Jones. He's Indiana Jones. Yeah, I mean, I mean he, come on. That's what he does. Uh, rule number two, the hero and the villain are always the smartest people, beings, things, dinosaurs, what have you in the room. Block. Yeah. He's definitely the, yeah, I mean, they are for sure. Yeah, I mean, I feel like this is perfect. Yeah. They're each other's equals mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, except, of course, the villainous. The villain, the what? evil. Uh, you say Bullock is his name? Bullock. Bullock? That's what they call him. I guess the whole movie I watched, I just like didn't. Talk about the German guy or the yeah, yeah the, no. the guy who gets his face melted. Yeah, no, I'm talking about the uh, the glasses guy. Yeah, the uh, the other archaeologist, the French guy or whatever he is. The guy that wants that that wants the girl. The guy, the the dick bag who gets his face melted at the end. Yeah, everyone gets their face melted at the end. Okay, but, but there's <laughs> the, th- the three main the ones. main villain. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the, yeah. I don't know even well, why we're debating. Well, it. no, no, no. I'm not talking about the guy with the glasses. No, I know. Yeah, he looks like the I don't want to from... do the show with you anymore. I'm done. <laughs> he looks like the evil scientist from Captain America: The Winter Soldier. Yeah, he also yeah. looks like the guy from Princess Bride. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, rule number three: the movie is driven by a police, military, or political figure, or a mercenary. He's an archaeologist and like an adventurer. So. I don't think he's actually any of those things. Does he work for the government as an archaeologist? Is he hired by them at the beginning? Ah, it's a stretch. It's a stretch. I don't think he fits that rule. And rule number four: the movie contains a minimum of one explosion. Definitely, there's a there's several. I mean, you could even call the end an explosion when there's the fire and the ghosts and and the the face melting. melting. Yeah. Yeah. Such a sweet scene. I love that. It was great. Laughed out um, loud. Yeah. <laughs> so, guys, coming up today on the show, we are going to be talking about a brand new segment that we have called Crossover, which we're really, really excited about. Yeah. Uh, or, sorry, Switch Out. <laughs> the names are similar. There's two of them. Yes. yes. Uh, and we have a so brand new segment that's suggested by Paul News that we're very excited to talk about. We'll kind of get into that later. We got Fist Pump Moment. We have a whole bunch of discussions, AMA questions to get to. So stick with us. Let's watch the trailer right now for Raiders. Of the Lost Ark. This is like early trailer days. Oh, yeah, and he was contracted by the U.S. government, so boom, we got it. All right, fair enough. For 3,000 years, man has searched for the Lost Ark of the Covenant. The Bible speaks of the Ark leveling mountains and laying waste to entire regions. He is a very handsome man. No oh, Harrison Ford? Yeah. Oh, in his day? Yeah, dude. Yeah, the first time you see him as Indian, and the, when you see him in the classroom, yeah. he's just like, you are... And all the um, girls. Yeah. <laughs> the love you yeah, is almost like fist bump. That's great. carries the Ark before it. He's invincible. The Ark. Yeah, I mean, this is... And this is his heyday. Yeah. Then it is like, something that man was not meant to disturb. He's, like, still pretty young here. It is protected oh, by and he's at the beginning of his, like, explosion. Yeah. Four years after Star Wars, yeah. like, he was... Empire comes out. Came out the year before. Two... Yeah, yeah, came out the year before. Good. Trust me. Those who are evil. Evil. I know you will. So Gemma's are so good at being evil. Yeah, I watched uh, Schindler's List yesterday. Oh, really? Did you enjoy that? And I watched Munich the day before that, which also has German. I I did. I really did. Schindler's List is very nice. I've seen it a long time. Not a great trailer. It's not. It's pretty long. Uh, it's almost like they took a scene out of every 20 minutes of the movie. Yeah, this, this is just what old trailers were. Yeah. 
always struck watching this movie, like, just, again, like, it's, it's, there's no question that, that John Williams is the GOAT, but, like, just thinking about it again, it's like, this is another theme of just, like, it's so famous and so memorable and so classic and so great. This movie has so many iconic things yeah, about so it. so many. It's, out, it's outrageous. Yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, so, you know, old that, old trailer, but... The trailer's a big whiff for me. Pro- yeah, big whiff for me as well, <laughs> but probably 40... Years ago, it was pretty interesting. 37. Yeah, right. You can do math. I think I did that, right? Yeah. 34? I don't know. 33. Um, all right, so let's uh, let's hop into our next segment. Yeah, here. next statement of the show is going to be called uh, Thesis Statement. This is your boldest statement, your biggest idea. The thing that if the movie comes up, you're going to say to somebody, this is the thing about Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, this is absolutely what you need to know about it and the most important thing to think about. And you would stand on your soapbox, and it's, it's invariably the most important thought you have about the movie. Uh do you want to go first? I do, because I have two. And okay. I'm going to steal one from the fans, because I just thought it was brilliant. Yep. And that's the one that, like, this movie doesn't actually need Indiana Jones. Sure. The only thing that he does is find the Ark of the Covenant to basically give to the Germans, who then open it themselves and they all die. So I, I thought that was pretty interesting, and I think pretty genius. Uh, I don't like to use that, because I like heroes in movies, and I think yeah, right. that he did need to be there. Um, but my other one was that despite the love for Raiders of the Lost Ark and The Last Crusade... I strongly believe that Temple of Doom is the best Indiana Jones movie. <laughs> Kalima! Kalima! <laughs> no, I'm serious. Why are you laughing at me? You didn't even say anything. You just laughed. What's the guy's that Rom rips the heart out? I, I don't know. Is that his name? It should be. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you laughing still? <laughs> Look, man, Temple of Doom is awesome. It's, like, creepy and weird. He's actually He actually goes into, like, a tomb. Nobody, you know, he, nobody thinks that. Every, Marissa thinks that. <laughs> I do, I do. There you go. Uh, so, everyone stopped watching. Yeah. Is Temple of Doom <laughs> what the ride's named after? Disneyland, Indiana Jones, and the Temple of Doom? Yeah. I think it is. Of course it is, because it's the best one. Yeah. It's got the heart ripping, it's got the, the, the fire, the sacrificing, the kid. Talk, talk to me for a second. It's been so long since I've watched it. Does it have the rolling ball also, or is that only in Raiders? I think it's only in Raiders. Because I always, like, I, if I had answered that question in trivia, which one sees him being chased by a rolling ball, I would have guessed Temple of Doom. Really? I had forgotten that it happens in Raiders. I mean, I feel like he might be chased by something in Temple of Doom. I'm sure our uh, I'm sure our fans would know. I doubt that they repeated the gimmick, though. Yeah, it would seem it seem ridiculous. Yeah, uh, most people don't agree with me, which yeah. I don't <laughs> find surprising. Uh, but I don't know why. I, I grew up watching these three movies, and for some reason, I, I honestly think I've seen The Last Crusade maybe twice. Maybe I think it's the one I've seen the most actually. And I've heard it's like probably a lot of people's favorite because of Conrad and Harrison Ford's uh, people. Relationship. People like love it the most, but it's. It, I think there's no question. The consensus is this is the best one. It's yeah, just this is the like best, the most, the most iconic, and all that. But for me, those would be my two. If I was at a party, I mean, they'd probably be like that drunk guy's yelling about Temple of Doom. <laughs> <laughs> but but I would. Uh, the day you meet your wife, you're going to tell the story. I was trying to convince her the Temple of Doom was Temple the best Doom Indiana was cool. Jones movie. She, <laughs> she left. Yeah, she left. She left the party. So uh, my thesis statement about this film is that Raiders of the Lost Ark is the greatest adventure film based on Earth of all time. Ah, there it is. There's yeah. a rendition. I had to clarify it because yep. because you did make the, the strong point, which is that Star Wars is technically an adventure film, but it also doesn't feel like it's dealing with the same stakes. The sci-fi elements mm-hmm. make it feel so much more like... You have to buy into something else to appreciate it. Yeah, it feels like a space opera with action. Yeah, you know, it's it's, it's it does feel very different than the traditional like action adventure feel. It's like a sci-fi fantasy movie in a lot of ways. Yeah. So this is like real people, real situations. Other than obviously there being like a little bit of some you know relics doing crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. But even some of the crazy stuff is like based on you know scriptures and like you know it's it feels like it's rooted almost in reality. Um. So and here's here's the reason I say it. The greatest. Uh, the greatest adventure film ever based on Earth. It's because... See, and I don't even... This is not one of my 50 favorite movies. And it's not Middle Earth either. Get no. that right. <laughs> I appreciate this more movie far more than I like this movie. I, and I almost wanted to like steal that as like a joint thesis. Because yeah. I think both of us are in the same boat. Um, and guys, don't hate us. But we went back and watched this. And we both had a hard time really grasping onto it. Because it's, it's a little dated. But you appreciate... Everything, everything about it. Yeah, so th- that's what I was going to say. If, if you kind of go back in time, you start to put in context how special is this movie and why is it so special? Well, the first thing to point out is it has literally one star. Yeah. It doesn't have another star in the whole movie. Steven Spielberg's the other star. Like, Karen yeah. Allen's not a star. She didn't, she didn't have a career that was, like, that was notable. I mean, in the 80s, she was, like, somebody. People knew who she was, but she was pretty much remembered as... <clears throat> 
his co-lead in this movie. And even in this movie, she's she's good, she's fine, but like I honestly I couldn't stand her. The whole know, movie is him. I don't him. know why she she bothered me so much. It's just him. It doesn't this doesn't have, you know, your Richard Dreyfus in the villain role. It's right, like, right, right. It's got basically people that faded off and Harrison Ford. And it's a Spielberg movie. Not only that, Spielberg only directed his first feature in 74. This is 7 years into his directing career, right? He does E.T. the next year. He had so, done Jaws so in 75, Close Encounters in 77, 1941 in 79, and he does this movie in 81. At the time that this movie came out, there was like there had been tons of adventure movies, but there had never been an adventure movie like this in the blockbuster era, in the post-Jaws era. And you start to think about what this movie means to people. It created a franchise. It created one of the most recognizable characters of all time. It has one of the most recognizable pieces of music of all time. It's got this, like, uh, we'll talk about this a little bit, but, like, we talked about it in Jurassic Park. His ability to use exposition yeah. so concisely to get you excited about something is second to none it's brilliant like the scene when they're explaining the power of the ark and they're like you know it's the ark of the covenant the actual ten commandments like yeah. could level cities and you're just like wow in two minutes you're like I need this to happen yeah yeah you guys exactly. need you need to find this this is so exciting I understand why everybody wants to find it like it, this movie from a technical standpoint is so brilliant it's like so just revolutionary yeah and, and, it, was. and, it, and it did such a great job with with injecting comedy because you have to have comedy and action yeah. adventures you know that moment where he shoots the guy in the plaza when he's doing all the things it's like that's what you want your hero your badass hero to do yeah he's so good looking he's always got his wits about him and and he's just fighting pure evil you know what i mean so there's there's so much about this that is and you go to the like you said you talk about the music but then you talk about like getting shot in the marketplace you talk about the the, the nazi in the plane yeah you talk right. about the rolling boulder you talk about the face melting there's so much about this yeah um yeah i yeah. love it man i mean i really do I, I definitely appreciate it more than i actually enjoyed watching it but i i will never ever say anything bad about this movie no you can't it's just i think all it is is that there are movies that i can think of that i watch that i find myself more engaged watching um and i didn't find myself that engaged in the middle of part of this movie the first 20 and the last 20 i was yes. most i was more interested in the middle lagged a little bit for me Absolutely. And you wonder when you start to go back to old movies how much that's the case. Yeah, and you know what? Steven Spielberg is really long-winded. He really is. Yeah. And, and almost every single one of his movies is over two hours long. And, uh, this is one of the rare ones a that's lot, just under. Right, yeah. and a lot of them are, are closer to three. And like there are definitely moments in this... It's tough because Spielberg doesn't waste many frames. No, he but doesn't. maybe he wasn't quite at the peak of his artistry yet to understand. You know, like... When we go back and watch Jurassic Park, yep. we, you and I were literally blown away by the fact that every single frame yeah. is used. Not seen, frame right. is every used in that Every moment movie. is like perfect. It's perfect. And, and that's something that only a master of their craft can do. Um, he probably just wasn't quite there yet. Yeah, I started watching the HBO documentary about him um, to kind of understand where, where he was in his career when this movie came out. Because <clears> I wanted to be really prepared talking about it and it's it's pretty wild you know that he was the uh the youngest like he was like the youngest director ever working on under contract for paramount really he was 20 years old he was 20 when he made this he no 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 he was 20 years old when he started working for them oh he made his first tv movie this movie duel in 1971 that's like a it's a well-loved movie but it's like his initial feature but it's made for tv in 74 he makes um uh what's called sugarland express and Mm -hmm. i think firelight is like right after that right before that jaws is 75 so he's like in his mid twenties, mid to late twenties when he directs Jaws. So crazy. He's like, by the time he makes this movie, he's already like an international icon brand name, and he's like pretty much our age right now. You believe that? Yeah, I mean it's 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 unbelievable. And then you go and you look at like when we get in production notes, we'll talk more about Paramount and their faith in him. This this script was turned down by every single studio because it was costing too much money, which was eighteen million dollars at the time. Yeah, it was too much money, and Paramount was the only one. They gave him a chance, and it's probably because that's yeah. what Spielberg had already done. There's Yeah, there's some pretty cool stuff in that documentary. I recommend it. It's definitely a lot of fun to watch. Um, all right, guys, we're going to go to the next part of the show. This is Fist Pump Moment. It's that moment something happens in the movie. You look around, you're like, are you seeing this right now? This is awesome. Yeah. God, this is great. And uh, it's funny. You and I have the same fist pump. We do. Uh, go I wonder ahead. how many people in the chat have the same fist pump. Uh, uh, yeah, guys, let us know what your fist pump is in the chat. You, let's, you don't need to hashtag it or anything. Let's give it 30 seconds see if it's, any fist pumps pop up in the chat so we can share theirs first. All right, share your fist pump with us in the chat. I want us to burn ours just yet. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I just got to do it. Yeah. Everyone's been talking about it. Yeah. Hot or indie? <sighs> I am going to jump in first because I know that you have, uh, you love Star Wars more than I, I do. do. Yeah. Um, 
I truly believe after watching this that it's Indy over Han. I feel like when I watch this movie and I watch these movies and I see him and his how good he looks and how funny he is and how well he does in these movies, in these swagger, situations, yeah. his swagger, his stardom, you see him as a as a professor and you see him as an archaeologist and as a hero, like I love Han Solo. But you go and you watch Indiana Jones, and I think that if you had to pick one, I would have been like, I would have stuck with Indy. I still go Han Solo. Yeah, you still go Han? I still go Han Solo. It's just just those movies to me, I like those movies more. Uh, He means so much to that trilogy. Yeah. And... These spun off, like, theme park rides and, like, this character's, you know, spun off action figures and a whole world of movies. But, like, that character was the most important character, basically, other than, like, Darth Vader, to spin off, like, what is now the largest science fiction fantasy adventure franchise ever to be on Earth. Hmm. So, like, and I think he's arguably the most important part of that whole franchise. You really think so? Harrison Ford? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you really think about it, it's like, it's not Luke. He's the main character, but it's not, people don't care about Luke like they care about Han. It's not Leia. It's not the Emperor. It's not Obi-Wan. So So you actually, so you don't think that people care about Luke the way that they do about Han? Not even close. Really? Han Solo is like, I mean, it would be Darth Vader would be the only other character in, in the initial trilogy that meant as much. Right. Like, that's why, that's why, like, the prequels are, like, Anakin and his story, because, like, Vader's so important. But if you think about it now in the context of what we have, what was the best scene in Rogue One? Best scene in Rogue One. You know exactly what it is. Yeah, yeah. It's Vader. Yeah. And that's why. Everybody, it's, it's he's like the most, I mean, it's him and, the, and Heath Ledger's Joker are like widely regarded as the two greatest villains like ever on screen. So I think that Han Solo means that much to Star Wars. But that's just my opinion. Uh, do we have any fist pumps in the chat? Well, it's funny. <laughs> no one has said it. No one said it. There's a bunch of them that have been going on. They say uh, every time the main theme comes on, yeah. uh, when Indy gets dragged behind the truck, uh, when he gets back in the truck after being dragged behind it, which uh, was thrown out by Keys, which yeah. is also real, which yeah, is yeah. cool, um, <clears throat> which you can kind of tell because the truck's going slow. Yeah, right. But like, it's still badass. Um, the shadow, when the shadow appears on Marion's bar. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, when the big guy gets sliced up by the propeller, when he shoots the swordman. Um, yeah, I'm shocked. I'm shocked that no one has, although everyone in here disagrees with you. Luke over Han, Vader over Han, Luke over Han, Vader over Han, <laughs> Vader wow. over Luke. But it's okay. <laughs> um, so what's our fist pump moment? The fist pump moment is the face pump. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> it's so terrific. Like, it's amazing. You're, you're watching it and you're like, and because the setup is so good. That's, that's the is. thing. The setup is amazing. The setup is, is one of the reasons that Spielberg is such a fucking just phenomenal, incredible filmmaker. Because, like, they're tied up and it's been this just knockdown drag out fest to get to this point. And you know, because he's the hero and they're the villain, he's smarter than they are. You yeah. know that. Mm-hmm. Right? And he says, Marion, don't look at it. Don't open your eyes. Whatever you do, don't look at it. And you know the bad guys are going to look at it. You know. You have to so you're like, inside. So you have to know, you're like, all right, he somehow he's going to maintain an advantage here that they're not going to get because he's not looking, even though, he, of course, he'd want to look. Of course, you've got to look. Yeah. It's the Ark of the Covenant. And the, and the main bad dude is just sitting there, and you're like, dude, you are so boned right so now. You're dead, man. <laughs> and it goes crazy, and you're just like, ah, oh, what's going to happen? This is going to be so sweet. I do love that moment where Karen Allen says something and wants to look. Yeah. He's like, no, don't look, because, like, of course, like, people are screaming yeah. now, and, like, God, I'd want to look so bad. But for me, yeah, for us, that is that is the That's fist pump moment, and the chat's going nuts now yeah. too because, of course, everyone loves that. The face melt. <clears throat> it's also sweet too that like it's eighty one, so it's practical effects. Yeah, and by the way, guys, this this film won the Oscar for visual effects. I just want everybody and to sound know that. editing and a few other ones. <laughs> this was nominated for eight Oscars. Eight Oscars. Yeah. I can't think of a movie like this movie. <clears throat> I really can't think of a movie like this movie that's been nominated for eight Oscars. Like. Ever. I mean, I, the movies that I can think of that get nominated for Oscars that are, like, kind of in the category are, like... Lord the, of the Rings? The Fugitive, maybe. Like, But even Lord of the Rings is so much grand, more grand it's than It's an this. epic. Yeah. yeah, it's an epic. Like, this is just, like... It's just an adventure movie yeah, with, like, an adventure like, hero killing Nazis. Yeah, I'm trying to think of, like, what movies we've covered on the show that are like that, and there's very few. I mean, I think probably... even the, Gladiator is an epic. Yeah, I think probably the big reason just, just has to be about, like... I mean, it's obviously great, but also... When it came out in relation to his fame, uh, to, to uh, Ford's? No, Spielberg's. Oh, okay. Like where he was. Like Jaws was, had been 75, and Close Encounters in 77 was a big deal. So when 1941 came out in 79, it was like, uh, I don't know, like, okay, this movie's whatever. Like 1941's kind of a flop. But then, like, 
Harrison Ford had just been in the two Star Wars movies. Yeah. So then, you know, he he with with Spielberg and it's like, oh, what are these guys going to do? And this is what we get. And I think the world was just kind of like I think the world was just kind of losing their shit a little bit. Like, oh, I'm sure. I mean, yeah. especially with Lucas involved, which we'll get into. Um, yeah. So next we're going to hop into Star Profiles, guys. We're going to talk about Harrison Ford and Karen Allen and where they were in their careers. We've talked extensively about Harrison Ford, so I'm just going to go through it real quick. Apocalypse Now in 79, Frisco Kid in 79, Empire Strikes Back in 80. On the way up, probably one of the biggest moments in any superstar's career in history. I'd yeah, think. I mean, it's funny that we're doing this movie this week because we talked <clears> about <throat> Tom Selleck last week. And yeah. Selleck was up for this role. Yep. Um, and... Yeah, I mean, it's weird. Like, you look at these movies. Star Wars is 77. He had been in American Graffiti, yep. which was a couple years before that. He was a name, but he wasn't a huge name until Star Wars. Yeah. But, you know, as we as we know, seeing the trail, seeing, like, the posters for Ready Player One and, you know, Ty Sheridan being on the, on the cover, like, we know how big of a deal it is when, like, the young actor gets their moment. The young <clears> actor, <throat> the young actress. It's like everybody in the world is looking for the role to put them into. The studio wants to give them the script. You know, they're hot. We want them in this thing. Right. So it's like he gets Star Wars. And it's the next few years are like, all right, what's Harrison Ford going to be in? Because this is only four years later. Yeah. So in the, in the grand scheme of, like, let's take Michael B. Jordan, for instance. Right. right, his neck, like he's got Creed two coming out. Black Panther just came out. His big breakout moment was probably Fruitvale Station. Right, and that's like a few years ago. So now he's having his moment. Yeah, the, like uh, Indiana Jones is essentially like Michael B. Jordan's Creed. You know, right? Or like <clears throat> Star Wars would be like his Creed, probably actually. So we're probably like right at the beginning of what's happened. Like right, like this is this is his phase two. Yeah, and so it's interesting to watch because like the Frisco Kid at the time mattered, but whatever. He's not a big role in Apocalypse Now. He's a pretty small role in that movie. But it's directed by Coppola, so Coppola's like, I want that guy. Right, and he's already worked with Coppola and Spielberg by the time he's worked yeah. on, like, ten movies. So, not yeah, even. his 80s were crazy. So, yeah, Harrison Ford, that's where he's at. Now, Karen Allen, a little different. I mean... Yeah. <laughs> she never... was working a lot. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <clears throat> and she continued to work. And I'd never heard of any of these movies. So she did A Small Circle of Friends in 1980. Yep. Uh, directly before this, she did Cruising in 1980 as well, and she did The Wanderers in 1979. I don't know anything about any of them. I've seen Cruising. Okay. Believe, unless I'm mistaken, it's directed by my boy, Brian De Palma. It stars, <laughs> it stars, it stars Pacino. Um, I like saw it as an exercise in high school. I don't remember very much about it. I, he's like, <clears throat> like a crime movie. He's a gay character, I think, or something. I'm pretty sure it's De Palma. Marissa, would you mind checking if Cruising, 1980s Cruising, is directed by Brian De Palma? On it. Please, thank you. Um, one of the coolest things, jumping back to Spielberg, is that in the documentary they talk about this group of five guys, uh, these five directors that hung out. Mm. Uh, and legend, legend will like always remember this because they all five became five of the biggest directors of all time. But there's these pictures of them hanging out at bars together, like playing pool. They're all best friends, and it's Harris, it's a, uh, it's Francis Ford Coppola, Steven Spielberg, Martin Scorsese, Brian De Palma, and. Uh, George Lucas. How much do you hate that Brian De Palma was there? Well, he... <laughs> it's funny because... That's insane. Oh, That's... it's directed by William Friedkin. Oh, that, makes, mm, that makes sense. Yeah. 1980. Yeah, yeah. So, um, it's crazy because, like, <laughs> they all five at that time were all coming up, right? Yeah. And each one of them, they were going to each other's movies, and there's this great story in the documentary where uh, George Lucas screened Star Wars for all of them, but before the visual effects were in it. It's like a lot of, like... A lot of like just like dead dead cells, like basically green screen at the time. Yeah. Um, and and like they went to dinner, and De Palma like got up and just like tore it to shreds. He's like, I don't get it. I don't understand the thing. I don't know where the characters come from. Who's this hairy guy? You need some exposition. We need to know what's going on. And then like somebody suggested like you need to put some sort of prologue text to explain to people what's going on, which yeah, is where like the, the text scroll. comes from. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's interesting thinking about just back then. It, those five guys, and they become... That's so cool. Five of the biggest ever. I mean, that's... <clears throat> and you see that a lot. You see that a lot in history, and you go back and you look at pictures of a bunch of actors hanging out all the way up, a bunch of directors hanging out. It's just like, talent attracts talent. Greatness attracts greatness, yep. you know? Yep. Um, so, guys, we're going to play our uh, one of our new games here. Thank you, Paul Denuso, for suggesting this. He suggested three games. We picked one of them to play. It's called Switch Out. I'm going to read exactly what he wrote to us. He says, whatever film you are working on, you have to choose to switch out the hero or villain with another similarly ranked hero or villain. For example, the film is Die Hard. You have to switch out John McClane with another action hero character. For example, I'll choose Dutch from Predator. So now you got Dutch at Nagatory Plaza, and you got John McClane out in the jungles. So... What changes? Why'd you pick them? Yeah. And what do you got? Okay, I, it's funny that the suggestion actually has my character in it, and this is not that surprising. I'm going to go <clears> McLean, <throat> and I'm going to throw are. McLean into Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, 
here's the reason I like it so much. Okay, so first of all. There's qualities that both of these guys have, and they're archetypal hero qualities that you get in a lot of the movies that we like to cover. Yes. But the reason I like it so much is based on the AMA uh, fan thesis, which is that, like, you don't really need the hero in this movie. Like, as much as Harrison Ford knows, and that's how he survives at the end. Right. He manages to not basically do anything and just, like, get to the Ark of the Covenant and then just not look and all all the bad guys die. Right. McLean wouldn't have any idea what's going on because he's not an archaeologist. I don't want to look at that shit. And in 1936, <laughs> he could still be a tough New York cop. It wouldn't matter. Yeah. He yeah. just somehow would catch wind of what's going on. Uh, okay, Holly, his wife, Gennaro, she gets abducted somehow. I don't really know why they care, but it doesn't matter. He Or maybe not, whatever. He has some long-standing relationship with Marion. What I love is that he would beat up Nazis. He would kill them. He would make wisecracks. And the Nazis, because they're dumb, would tell him the plan. They'd explain to him the significance of the covenant. He'd be able to, like, listen and learn. Uh, I don't know, like... Alfred Molina at the beginning is basically is basically Ellis. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, sweet in this. Uh, I think that's pretty much how this would work. So I think McLean would totally survive. He would kick ass. He'd get he'd get beat up. He'd fight the big uh, the big Nazi. You right. know, and uh, and he would totally survive. He would not look because he wants to avoid getting killed because that's right. what he's good at. And he'd survive. And he'd, and he'd come back for Temple of Doom. Switch out. Yeah, switch out. Switch out. That's what happened. Now I on like the other that. side, Harrison Ford has to go into Die Hard. Right? Don't you think he'd just be out of place? Indy and Die Hard? Yeah. No way. Is he wearing the clothing? Holly Gennaro has taken a new name, new job. He's frustrated. <laughs> he wants her back. But he's he's wrapped up in his work, you know? He can't get around the fact that he's wrapped up in his work. So he goes... Look at these bones. Yeah, so he goes to the thing and he realizes that what's going on. And now he's aided by Argyle. The idea of Argyle interacting with Harrison Ford <laughs> as Indiana Jones in the limo is pretty terrific. Uh, oh, you know, he with a bullwhip? Sure. Yeah. He would he would do what he has to do. He shoots a gun. He's a scrapper. There you go. Switch out. That's switch out. Switch out. Switch out. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go for Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weiss from The Mummy. Oh, do we have to switch out both? I didn't even no, realize you don't have that. to. I just wanted to. Okay, I just great. wanted to switch out both because I think that Brendan Fraser has to have Rachel Weiss because she would be the one that actually finds the covenant, tells him what to do, knows not to look at it. She would be the true hero of the film, and Brendan Fraser would just kind of be like, "Read from the book." <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he would kind of just be goofy, making wisecracks. He'd, sure. he'd shoot the guy in the in the marketplace. I could totally see that. Mm-hmm. He'd, he'd fight off the Nazi with like. They seem almost perfect. And honestly, Brendan Fraser in The Mummy is a pretty damn good looking guy. He is. He's, he's pretty dashing and he's yep. got he's got all oh, yeah. the things. For me, it feels like a direct switch. Like well, I, I think they would both fit perfectly into each other's worlds. Don't you also feel that the mummy is this movie? I do. I do. <laughs> it's, I actually it's, just, it's literally just like they're like, ah, let's uh let's make Raiders of the Lost Ark, but uh, Um Yeah, and then Indiana Jones and the Mummy, I mean honestly, he would probably just end this franchise of the first movie. He would just kill the mummy somehow. He would just figure it out. It would just be over. <laughs> he'd he'd throw a bag of sand at it. <laughs> bag of sand. You know, it feels like a bag of sand. He's no, got, man. What are you talking about? He's got a bag of sand in his bag, which I love. Like, as if he... Like, All right, because he was like... Yeah, because he's like, he's like, I'm a... He... <laughs> I was starting to think, I was like, does he know that he's going to need this bag of sand for this specific purpose. Of course he does. Or, as an adventurer, is having a bag of sand something that he always has because it's, it's valuable and useful because you need things that are weighted? Or maybe he constantly rips people off. And he's like, here's your money! And then yeah. he runs. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's pretty good, though. <laughs> George Lucas and Steven Spielberg are just like, these fucking idiots. <laughs> uh, Alright, so we're getting into production development now, guys. And this is a pretty interesting story. Wait, oh, just, you just hold on just to... Oh, uh, you already said he kills the mummy. Never mind. Yeah, I got yeah, it. I kill, he killed okay. the mummy. Uh, production development. This is interesting because this was actually a George Lucas movie. He, yep. he, he was basically working on Star Wars... And the adventures of Indiana Smith at the same time, which is like, <laughs> which I think is so funny that he thought Indiana Smith was like a badass name. I think we need to call the film Indiana Smith. Oh, that's great, George. We'll go with that. So he's working on it for a while, and then he does Star Wars, and in Star Wars, obviously, we all know what happened there. Um, it got so big that George Lucas essentially was trying to run away from everyone. He wanted to get away from the world, so he went to Hawaii, which is notorious for getting movies like months later. Uh, he goes there, and he runs into his friend, Steven Spielberg, who's working on Close Encounters. And they're getting to talking, and they're like, it says, while building a castle, a sand castle, uh, <laughs> Spielberg is like, I want to direct a James Bond film. And Lucas is like, I got something better for you. I got someone cooler than James Bond without all the bullshit machine like machinery <laughs> and Spielberg was like oh yeah this is James Bond without the gadgets plus like machismo so he's like I want to do this and um 
what happens is he ends up taking it on. He decides not to do a James Bond film, obviously. And uh, <clears throat> and then what happens is Lucas then decides, oh, oh, excuse me. So so Spielberg's like, I'm in. And Lucas is like, all right, but I want you to do a trilogy. Yeah. So Spielberg's like, no, man, I, I'm not going to be tied down to three movies, um, especially if they're not written. And Lucas is like, oh, no, they're written. They're definitely written. He wrote all three? It was a lie. He totally just <laughs> lied to him. He, he found that out after he'd signed on to doing the first one that he hadn't written any of them. Uh, so <clears throat> flash forward to a couple years later, and Lucas is uh, you know stuck doing Empire. Right. You know? I mean, how could you avoid Star Wars? And so that's when they bring on Lawrence Kasdan to come in and work on the screenplay and kind of finalize it. Yeah, and Kasdan's an interesting one because he had basically, he had, I think I read he had 67 rejections. He had 67, like, proposed scripts rejected mm-hmm. um, until finally he sold the script for Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's his, that's his breakout script. Um, he, Amazing. He's, he's had a script written for The Bodyguard in 1967, and it was supposed to star Diana Ross and Steve McQueen. And it got bought and then shelved in production in, like, basically development hell. And it was on the shelf for for literally almost almost twenty five years. Jesus. Um, until it was and it was like routinely referenced as the, like one of the best scripts ever made. And then finally, obviously, the movie was made in the nineties with uh, Whitney Houston and Kevin Costner. So he actually wrote the Bodyguard. That was like his script, but it never got made. Huh. So he sells the script. <clears throat> Does he, he have credits on the Bodyguard now? Did he get it or no? I believe so. I, yeah, okay. I think he wrote it. Gotcha, gotcha. I mean, it's not in front of me, but I'm pretty pretty certain. Yeah. So then he writes Empire Strikes Back. And his career, he's kind of gone down. Kazdan is like sort of this, he's like one of the most unsung behind the scenes guys ever because he wrote Empire and Return of the Jedi. He wrote uh, Force Awakens and he has writing credit on Solo. He directed his, his directorial debut in 81, the same year that he sold that this movie came out was a film called Body Heat with William Hurt and yeah. um, who's in Body Heat? I can't think what her name is. It's like, it's like this like film noir throwback. It's a really good movie. Um, the Big Chill. He's been nominated for a bunch of Oscars. He had a really decorated career, like directed 10, 12 movies, wrote a bunch of famous scripts, but kind of just like he had like a string of like seven or eight movies that didn't make it's any bad. money. Yeah. Uh, one of his movies made like 100 mil, but for the most part, his movies just didn't make any money. So he's kind of one of those guys like he directed Wyatt Earp, right? Cosm- uh, George B. Cosmatos directed Kathleen Turner. That's who's in Body Heat. Mm. Um, directed Tombstone. He directed Wyatt Earp. Tombstone's gotcha. sort of loved. Known and yeah. wider. It's kind of like the, the, the ugly stepchild. Yeah, nobody yeah. really ever wants to talk about it. Like, he's just that guy. But it's funny because if you look at his movies, anybody who's listening to this, go look up Lawrence Kasdan. It's pretty amazing. He's had, like, a very impressive, very decorated, Oscar-recognized career. He's just not really an anybody unless you know who he is yeah it's weird i've never heard of his name um which is the exact opposite for steven spielberg who yep. uh we're not going to talk a lot about what films he's done in his career because he's steven spielberg and it's right. kind of redundant but what i will talk about is how um we did say initially how this film was rejected by everyone except for paramount because it cost 20 million dollars to make um moving forward since they did have such a tight budget and they needed to keep it within the 20 million dollars he hired four illustrators which is to this day the most raiders of the lost ark is the most storyboarded movie he's ever done which is crazy because it's spielberg you know yeah 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 um and him and lucas agreed on a tight schedule to keep costs down they wanted the whole thing to kind of feel quick and dirty like saturday matinees as they say and so what they did was they wouldn't do 30 or 40 takes they would only do four and it was like shooting a silent film. Shoot only what you need and don't waste anything. And Spielberg said, had he had more time, Indiana Jones probably would have sucked. It would have turned into like this pretentious epic yeah. instead of this like fun action-adventure film. Yeah. So it, it was one of those things where he was kind of shooting out of his element, but it worked to make the film better. Right. Yeah. So that's Spielberg on this movie. And last but not least is Frank Marshall, who's part of Kennedy Marshall. I mean... One of the greatest producers of all time, Back to the Future series or franchise, Jurassic Park and Indiana Jones and the Bourne franchise. Right. Like, I mean, he's a billionaire. <laughs> oh, yeah. One of the biggest, most notorious, famous, successful. Um, the one interesting thing about <clears throat> this movie and Marshall's career is that he had started producing movies as an associate producer in the early 70s. He worked on a film called Paper Moon starring Tatum O'Neill, um, which Ryan O'Neill and Tatum O'Neill. It's an Oscar winning film. She won the supporting actress Oscar for it. It's. In 73, he was an associate producer on that film. Now, in the 70s for him, he worked on The Last Waltz. He did a few other movies, but none of them were, like, action or, like, adventure blockbusters. They were, like, notable, like, good movies. The Last Waltz is well-loved. But I think The Last Waltz is the last Eli Kazan movie. But he he did this movie really as his first big blockbuster movie, Mm -hmm. and the rest of his career started to become those big, like, box office public kind of 
big popcorn movies. That that's what his, the rest of his career was, and which is every one of the franchises we talked about started after he did Raiders. So crazy. So this is where he basically starts to become Frank Marshall. This is his beginning, and it's one of the biggest movies ever, <clears throat> which is great because we can get, we're going right into the critical and box office. So this movie was picked up by Paramount, as we said, it cost twenty million dollars with um, its uh, PR promotion. It was released in June of uh, 1981. Classic Spielberg doing his summer blockbusters after he did Jaws. It grossed 248 million domestic and an additional 141 million worldwide for a grand total of 389 million dollars. And um, <clears throat> opening weekend, it made almost half its budget back with 8.3 million. So it was just one of those things that, like, all those other studios are kicking themselves. They right. can't believe that they've, of course. They, you know, this is one of the big missteps um, in in production history. So. Uh, critically, this movie is massive. Eight point five on IMDb, number one out of or number forty one out of two fifty. It won four Oscars for effects. It was also nominated for Best Picture, Best Director. Um, I mean, it's it's the, one of the greatest. But what's crazy is that it's got a ninety four by all critics, a seventy three by top, and then a ninety six by the audience. Why do you think it's a twenty percent drop? I think there's a. This is an action movie. When we talked to when we talked to um, Rob Cohen a couple weeks ago, I mean, he was pretty clear with us. Like yeah, the true. types of movies that critics like and the types of movies they don't, especially in the old days before you had. I think the current class of movie critics is a different class than the ones that were creating the opinions of these movies. Because like back in '81, or you know, even even the the notable critics that were probably being consulted and having to revise their reviews for like the late '90s. Mm-hmm. They're stuffier, older writers. You know, now it's like you can be 25, have like a successful YouTube channel and Twitter account, and your opinion matters. Yeah, you're a critic. You weren't going to be a 25 year old kid back in like 1981 writing for the New York Times. You'd be like a 55 year old white guy. Yeah, that's like what they all were. That's like <laughs> yeah. kind of who they all were. And so I think it doesn't really surprise me that critics, it, it, but though it's funny now, so many years later, I would give this movie a lower rating. Then it's listed here. Same. Not that much lower. I mean, I think you Would still you give have... it in the 80s, though? Or would it be in the high 70s? Uh, I would give it in the 80s, probably the high 80s. And I would yeah. do it out of, out of appreciation and respect. <clears throat> exactly. Because there's, as you said, there's not that many things about this movie that are wrong. It's not like it's, it's missing on a lot of levels. It's just not as compelling as it once was. For sure. And I think there's, and we've kind of outlined a lot of the reasons that that's the case. So I do think, I do think when you look at, like, number 41 on the all-time list... There's this, there's this class of movie, mm-hmm. this like pop culture sort of significant class of movie that is so loved by people, and it's like, it doesn't include you know Magnolia and Boogie Nights. It includes Indiana Jones movies and Back to the Future yep. movies yep. and and like Gremlins and The Goonies. Yeah, you know, like and these these sorry and the on. original Superman <clears throat> movies and like. There's these movies that were like sort of cultural touchstones at the time they came out because of the way they spoke to pop culture. And those movies are – they're loved so much more. And directors like Spielberg are the guys that made those movies. To me, this is a great movie. It's not the 41st best of all time, but then what is? And we've right. talked about that so many times. Right, and for what it's done for film and for Spielberg and for Ford and for everyone, it feels like it's it, it's there for the same reason we talked about. It's appreciation it's and a, understanding. It's an incredibly significant movie. Um, it would be hard for me to imagine a movie like this. Like, like okay, let's call a spade a spade. Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl, is... This generation's Raiders? It's a worse movie. <clears throat> it's nowhere near as significant. Not even right. close. But he got nominated for Best Actor for that movie. It got some technical nominations. Yep. It was an exciting, well-made, fun-to-watch movie. Was it up for Best Picture, too, or no? Uh, I don't think so. No, no, not no three. Um, but, but it was an exciting movie and a well-loved movie, and a movie that I liked a lot when it came out. Yeah. It, that's kind of the class of movie that I think this feels like to me. Uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's the same, but like when I think about movies that get nominated for this many Oscars that are in this category... That's like what they are. Like adventure movies are adventure movies. Yeah. This is just a Spielberg one, so it happens to be remembered a little differently. Yeah, and like eight Oscar noms for any adventure movie that would come out now would just be, it would be astonishing. Yeah. It would be mind-blowing. Totally. I'm going to get torn apart for comparing this movie to to Pirates, I'm pretty sure. No, it's going all right. It's going all right. (laughs) Uh, What's your favorite line? Uh, Oh, I love the line when uh, he's standing up with a rocket launcher, and uh, he's like, and he's like, we are merely flowing through history. Yes. Is history, dude? That's so funny. That's my favorite line too. Really? Yeah, and Bizarre. it's that whole scene. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love that scene because uh, it's weird to have a favorite line from a villain that isn't like a like a cool line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I love his whole speech because he uses Indy's 
just passion and love yeah. for archaeology against him. Totally. And it's that cool moment where you're like, this guy really is the other smartest guy in the room. Totally. You know? And then, yeah. and then that line, you know, we're passing through, this is just history. That's so funny. So that was easy. Those are our favorite lines. My other favorite line, though, the one I almost used, because we talked about this last week, I think. I love in scripts when the setup is that an actor is going to say a line. He says something and you go, I think he's going to say this right now and he doesn't say it. And you kind of, but you know it's implied. Mm-hmm. So it's in the beginning when he's uh, going into the the temple, and he like sees the thing, and he's like talking about his rival who's had already gone in, and he's like such and such and such, and he's like, um, you know, oh, he went in, and he's like, he's good, he's very good, uh, uh, and you and you know that like basically what he wants to say is like, but not as good as me, or like he says he's smart, very smart, but not, like he says something like that, and I love that he doesn't say it because you're like. That's what he means. Yeah. That's all he's saying. He's like, oh yeah, he's he's really he's good. yeah. But he says that he's like he's like this guy's really good. But you've had but you haven't met me. Yeah. yeah. I'm gonna get out of here with the treasure. You yeah, know. Like, I love that. Yeah. That's pretty sweet. <clears throat> uh, let's see. There's a bunch of favorite lines in here. My friend, I'm so pleased you're not dead. It's not the years, honey. It's the mileage. Snakes had to be snakes. Right. Yeah, yeah, um, oh, that's just my pet snake, Reggie. It's another great one. <laughs> Uh, so we're doing something a little different today with our AMA question. Um, again, to, to, to pay homage, tribute to our general, Paul, he put up an AMA question slash thesis statement for that matter. And he said, looking at Harrison Ford's filmography, can any other actor boast not only a better one-two punch of films, which is Empire and Raiders of Lost Ark, or you could even extend to a one-two-three punch or even a six punch with these six movies, Empire Strikes Back in 80, Raiders in 81, Blade Runner in 82, Return of the Jedi in 83, Temple of Doom in 84, and Witness, which he got nominated for in 85. Now, we talk about Nick Cage's three-year run pretty religiously on this show. It's a, it's a, it's a 20, I think what's like a 13-month run. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's what we talk about, yeah. This is the greatest run I've ever seen in my life by an actor. Yeah, I, I thought about it a lot just because when I read this, I was thinking to myself, like, is there anybody that's even on the same level? Because, and you would have to look at the all-time guys. You'd have to look at Cruz. And I don't think Cruz has a stretch where he has, I mean, the only low point in this stretch, there's no low point. Oh, and he also does Apocalypse Now in 79. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is crazy. But he's like not in that movie. Yeah, I know, but yeah. he's still in it. Yeah, true. Uh, that Yeah, I don't think there's ever been anything like it. I mean, if you think about Cruz's like, if you think about Cruz's like early 2000s right. run, they're like some really good blockbusters, you know, so it's like, I think Cruz's run would be like. Uh, it's like Magnolia in 99, Eyes Wide Shut in 99, uh, then it goes Mission Impossible 2 in 2000, Minority Report in 01, Vanilla Sky, no, no, Vanilla Sky in 01, Minority Report 02, Last Samurai 03, Collateral 04, War of the Worlds 05, and Mission Impossible 306. That's like his... That's a pretty good one. That's like his moment, probably, yeah. unless you want to talk about the 90s, but like, it doesn't really chart. This is like... <laughs> this is like two Star Wars movies, two Indiana movies, an Blade Runner, and one of the formative sci-fi films ever made. Like this list of films is, it's unbelievable. Like the fact that Paul brought this to our attention, and the fact that I didn't actually know this makes me feel like I'm not good at my job sometimes. But like, this is fucking crazy to me. Yeah, I've never seen this level of films just just year after year after. Year. I, I can't even imagine what it was like to be Harrison Ford. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, you go into the later part of the 80s and you look back at your career and it's like, how could you ever, how could you ever do something anywhere near as good as this for the rest of your career? I don't think anyone can ever do anything like that for the rest of their career. You've got six of the most, like, five, four of the most iconic movies ever made. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's it's insane. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, and if you throw, and if you throw Apocalypse just because just he's in it. Yeah. I mean... What did, what did he do? Any did he do something worthwhile in seventy eight so he can just throw in Star Wars in seventy seven and just I make it a huge lo- run? When we talked about him, I think I don't think so. It was I, nothing worthwhile, right? Uh, I threw on the yeah, nah, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know what he was in in seventy eight, but I mean, I don't think anything looks super notable. Yeah, but anyway, guys, so if you guys can think of a better run, let us know at AMA Podcast on Twitter. Let us know in the chat. But I would be hard pressed to think of anyone that's even close. Yeah, I don't think it's ever happened. Um, all right, guys. So what do we got next? Uh, I think it's just the three categories. <laughs> there are three action movie categories in the world ever. Those categories are... <laughs> and we created them. <laughs> totally ridiculous. Totally legitimate. And ridiculously legitimate. Now, totally legitimate movies, that's going to be like... Uh, fugitive. The Fugitive or, you know, Gladiator or uh, something like that. You know, holds together dramatically. It doesn't really make you laugh unintentionally. Totally ridiculous. It's Con Air, Face Off, Demolition Man. They're really silly. Kind of just fall apart movies. They're awesome, but they're like very, very, very campy. And then the middle category, ridiculously legitimate, is movies that like they are a little silly you do laugh a little bit they're a little bit serious 
they have one really grounded element that kind of just keeps you invested the whole time whether it's like a great star a great plot point one amazing performance just the rock speed movies like that yeah point break predator uh for me i think i have to go middle category for me, like I, there's so much about this movie that's so great, but I think the amount of time that's passed and some of the moments in it that I laughed at and the face melting, which was hilarious to me, which I'm sure back in 1981 was pretty damn scary. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, the snake going through the dead person's mouth. Oh yeah, that's a good moment. That's a, good that's a moment. fist moment. Yeah. Um, I think I have to go middle category. Yeah, I would have to agree with you. Um, I believe that this is also the middle category. I don't think. I just couldn't really put this on the totally legit level. It's too, like, fun. Yeah, it wouldn't, it, it, I don't think they want this movie to be totally legit. No, no. As you said, three or four takes at a time. That's just what they wanted. And the looseness is what makes it what it is. So yeah. I would go middle category for sure on this. Um, we, did we did we go through box office and I just, like, missed it? Yeah. Did that happen? Yeah, we okay. did. Okay. I guess I just wasn't paying any attention. <laughs> you don't listen to me anymore. <laughs> Doing it so long. Made almost $400 million on my $18 million budget. Isn't that insane? Yeah, it's crazy. I love it. Love it. Um, all right, guys. That is going to wrap that part of the show up. So we have one thing left and one thing only, and that's going to be called The Pitch. All right, so here's how this is going to work. Uh, we got two things going on. Number we one, we welcome to the Action Army, Daniel Solit as a general. We salute you, General. Uh, Daniel Sala has upgraded to general status and suggested some films. One of the films suggested is a movie that we had in mind for a while. It seems like a good opportunity to pay homage to you, Daniel Sala, and that is Sin City, which I love Sin City. I can't wait to do it on the show. But, but, Andrew and I have a screening of Tomb Raider tonight in just a few hours, which we are going to go to. Uh, we probably will do it on the show. We're going to have to feel it out because if we love it, we'll do it. And if we don't love it, we won't. One way or another, Sin City is going to get done on the show in the next two weeks. Yeah, it'll either be so watch this, it. Yep, it'll be this coming week or the following week. And honestly, we had a great suggestion on our Facebook page, and I already reached out to our good friend, Mr. Mark Donica. Yes, uh, he would love to come on the show if we end up doing it. So again, yes. we will let you guys know very soon whether or not we're going to do Sin City the following week or Tomb Raider with uh, Mr. Donica, who also made his debut in the Schmodown. Yeah, Inner Geekdom. He yeah. Uh, yeah, he got a win. So. He did really well. Yeah, yeah. he did. He did great. He's got a he's got a match coming up uh, pretty soon, so that's the plan for the next couple of weeks. Are we leaving anything else important out? Uh, there is one thing that I did want to mention. Uh Patreon.com slash Team Action. Ben has been traveling, and I have been filming like crazy this last couple weeks. It's been really tough for us to get together, but we will have two videos for you coming out this week. One probably Schmodown related, one more AMA related, uh, but those will be coming to you. We appreciate your patience. We apologize. Uh, but I'm actually happy that we weren't able to do it because we were so busy working yes, on other things. It's a good thing. It's very nice. And the, and we will have the content out for you guys, for those for those loyal supporters, for all the generals, for all the petty officers, for all the lieutenants. And the uh, Commodores. The Commodores. Every one of you guys. Thank you so much for supporting it. Thank you so much for supporting this show. Uh, if you guys want to follow along with me or anything I'm doing, you can follow, find me at Ben Bateman Media on Twitter Instagram. You can find Nerds and Suits, at Nerds and Suits on Twitter, and uh, download the app, Anchor.fm. Or you can also find Nerds and Suits on like Spotify, iTunes, anywhere you want. Just look it up. Nerds and Suits. Yeah, uh, you guys can find me at Andrew Guy and uh, you can find my boy here on the Schmodown on Friday hopefully kicking Dale the dude's ass because yeah. I hate that piece of trash no, just kidding. <laughs> Dale's a good guy uh, it's going to be a battle it's going to be, be a battle. fun we'll see you guys next week yeah see you guys from producers Maria Menounos Kevin Undergaro Phil Svitek and the entire Popcorn Talk Network we would like to thank you for tuning in for questions or comments be sure to visit popcorntalk.com I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only, and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners and principals.